Hey, welcome back to the Addicted to Healthy podcast, your one-stop destination for all things health and a kick-ass life. I'm Laurence, a certified nutritional practitioner and health coach, PCOS fighter and creator of PCOS Breakthrough, and your host of the Addicted to Healthy podcast. So today I'm so excited for you guys to listen to my episode with Tori Doobie. So she's a certified nutrition specialist, life coach, and hypnotherapist, and we'll be talking all about mindset, limiting beliefs, how your thoughts shape your life, why you aren't attracting what you want, etc. So it's going to be some really juicy information, some great tips to take away from, and some freebies as well. So definitely stay tuned until the end so you can catch those freebies, and I'm so excited for you guys to listen. So today I am so excited to welcome Tori Doobie to the podcast. We met through my mastermind with Angie Lee and she coached me and the girls a little bit and I knew right away that I wanted her to come on my podcast. So I'm so, so excited for you guys to listen to what we'll be chatting about today and just taking a lot, away a lot of information. So Tori Doobie is a certified holistic nutrition specialist, life coach and hypnotherapist in action, she's a transformational coach guiding women into new levels of leadership, wealth, and impact. Tori is the host of the An Excellent Example of Being Human podcast, is a children's book author, hosts international wellness retreats, and works with clients around the world. Her approach guides women away from relying on pure logic and instead towards their inherently brilliant internal compass. I absolutely love that last sentence. It's so beautiful and it definitely describes what you do for people and I've seen your work and I've been following you since we met on the mastermind and I'm just so stoked to have you here today. So welcome Tori. Oh girl, thank you so much. Hey, I'm super excited to be here. And I was actually pretty um, surprised by, I was going through your website and then through your bio and you, it looks like you've been through a lot of stuff. Like you've done a lot of things in uh, your life. <laughs> you <laughs> I, have. It all. I have. I have. Have and I think that that's an important conversation. We'll probably get into it, but I am one of those people who had to dabble in a bajillion things and like yeah. collect gems from all of them. And for a long time, I was telling myself I was this big loser who couldn't stick to anything. Now, by just like reframing the story and letting myself off the freaking hook, now it's actually really cool. <laughs> it's an awesome part of my story. I completely relate to that. I basically mm -hmm. like went from degree to degree to like certification to like passions and hobbies and jobs and I was like what is wrong with me I can't get it straight like what am I supposed to do with my life and yeah I was like what is this loser but now like I'm totally it was meant for a reason right like we go through these different obstacles and jobs and experiences and it's all for a reason um, and I think it really helps make you more of a complete person at the end as well because you've been through so many different experiences right absolutely so yeah, I totally And I that. we like picked up little pieces of each one that we I'm sure you use in your practice all the time with clients. Like oh, little sure. bits and pieces that you needed to create your philosophy and your coaching. Exactly. So I'm glad that I'm not alone. <laughs> no way. <laughs> um but I've also seen that a lot with health coaches and life coaches. Um we've we never I've never really seen somebody start off as like a health coach or life coach from the beginning. They've been through so many other things and then they become a life coach or whatever it is so yeah it's funny I've seen a pattern about that but it's cool 
it is. I think we're, yeah, I think we're drawn to what we need in our own lives. So a lot of health coaches, a lot of life coaches needed that guidance in their life. And then they felt how much they expanded through the process with working with a different coach. And like, once your tanks are full in that way, you can't help but overflow. It's like you get a bug. You're like, I need to help people in this way. People need to know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And for so me I, too, like going yeah. through the struggles, especially you're like, Oh, now I get why I had to go through that. Like I want to mm-hmm. help people through this now too. So yeah, it all happens for a reason. Mm. So I wanted to start off with just hearing about your story. Um, so you're a nutritionist, a hypnotherapist, and a life coach. So how did you get here? Um, where did you start? Yeah, I to tell you like the, the quick version, I started with an eating disorder when I was 11 years old because our gym teacher weighed us in fifth grade, and I weighed three pounds more than my friend. And obviously that's not significant, but it was just the first time that I like looked down at my body and I went, oh my God, I have little boobs and my friend doesn't. And then like my period started the next year and my friend's periods hadn't started yet. And it was just like I went and like landed in my body and started feeling self-conscious about like what this machinery was, what it was doing. I remember doctors would give me like penis and vagina books, like the typical things that they give kids to learn about their body. And I couldn't even open it. I would turn white. I'd feel like I want to pass out. I would throw them all behind my bookshelf in my house. I remember like we... It had sex ed in fifth grade, and I remember learning like a sperm needs to go into a vagina and begging my teacher, if we get 100 on this test, can we please not get it signed by our parents? Please, please, please. There was just (laughs) so much discomfort around this body thing. It like mortified me, and it also made me so uncomfortable for my parents to be involved. I don't know what that was. But anyway, all all to say that it was just the beginning of feeling really self-conscious in my body. And I didn't have anybody to talk to about the changes or rather I thought I didn't. And so I just tried to figure it out myself and I quickly learned, okay, I'm a dancer. I play basketball. I can work out a lot and not eat anything. And yeah, I feel super shitty. I'm like passing out. I am dizzy in school, but at least I'm skinny. And then I would get so much attention for being skinny. They'd say, Oh my gosh, Tori, you look so great. Even my own parents would say that. And so that's just like the formula that I, I figured out. Okay, you want good attention? You want people to think you're great, you're powerful, you're awesome? Get skinny. That lasted through to my 20s, went through some hairy, scary stuff in New York City, went through a breakup, decided to go on a meditation retreat, having never meditated before in my life, really. And there on the retreat, I finally just heard the message from myself. Like, it's time to overcome this eating disorder thing because this is not the issue. It's just a big distraction. So you don't have to stand in your power and and go full force in any one direction. So I came home. Within two weeks, I was enrolled in a program that is called Mind-Body Transformational Psychology. And I wanted it just for the nutrition piece, thinking that if I learned everything there was to learn about nutrition, I could eat perfectly and have the perfect body in, quote, a healthy way. Obviously, that's still very unhealthy, but I was in eating eating disorder mode. And it was required that we do the hypnotherapy and the life coaching a part of the degree. And I was kind of pissed about that, but I just went with it. And yeah, that's how I ended up becoming a hypnotherapist, life coach, and holistic nutritionist. Wow. So the program had all of those together. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. amazing. And I, yeah, I totally relate to the, the thing with, I had a eating kind of disordered eating um, right. for many years. Um, and it was definitely the same kind of belief like, oh, 
I can totally cure this by going to nutrition school Mm -hmm. and learning about like the best way to eat. And then maybe I can even go on like a cleanse or like a diet that will just help me not binge or whatever. And it was all about the food, right? Until I realized that it has nothing really to do about the food. And then I started working on the mind and I was like, holy shit, this is actually like working now by Mm -hmm. working on the emotional stuff, right? So yeah, I really like that they combine the nutrition with the hypnotherapy and life coach because obviously, which we will talk about, that probably was a game changer for you, right? Yes, it was. And it wasn't like everything just snapped and came together. I still, after graduating, I still started with, with the nutrition, just pure nutrition, like teaching people herbicides and pesticides and eat organic and eat more plants and don't eat that and don't eat that. Like it still took a while for me to actually get it. Like what holistic nutrition means. Holistic is the whole picture. It's not just the food. Like I had to work with 10 clients before I went, oh my gosh, this isn't working because it's not about the food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love how you said that. So Can you talk a little bit about what is a hypnotherapist and what is a life coach? Because some people might not be really familiar with the terms. Sure. So why I was so pissed that hypnotherapy and life coaching were included in the program is I felt so broken in myself. And part of the program, a big piece was coaching people and using hypnotherapy on people. And that's like coming from never having touched these things in your life to suddenly having to write your own scripts, having to lead your own sessions. And I misunderstood life coaching to mean that I had to have all the answers and I was giving answers where really life coaching is. And some people don't fully agree with this definition, but I always speak in terms of energy. Life coaching to me is me leaving my baggage, my shit at the door, welcoming a client into a space of absolute love, absolute possibility, absolute expansion, and just refusing to move from that space during our session. And what happens energetically is I'm inviting that client into the space and they have access to their most creative ideas, their uh, expanded belief system, new creative solutions to roadblocks in their life and their business. And I'm just asking inspired questions, giving them some strategy, giving them what I call containers to help them tap into that intuitive flow. So to me, life coaching is creating a safe space, being a fucking awesome cheerleader and kind of co-creating the next steps together. That's what life coaching is. Uh, Hypnotherapy, a hypnotherapist is one who strategically uses relaxation to bring a client from the beta mind state, which is what we're in most of the time. That's kind of the autopilot meets adrenaline rush meets reactionary brain state down into the alpha, the theta, and the delta brain states, which that's what we're seeking when we go into meditation. It's when the monkey mind falls away and we have access to mental clarity, to our intuition, to bigger, bolder beliefs. And so a hypnotherapist is just relaxing the client, bringing them through a visualization that includes all of the senses to help them expand their belief system. Because we have to believe before we can see the results. So if you don't believe something is possible, it can't happen in your life. In hypnotherapy, we're teaching you to believe in something bigger, to relax, to surrender. And then, then you can actually believe and start seeing those results in your real life. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think there must be a lot of, well, there is a lot of resistance with that, mm-hmm. believing it before you see it, whereas a lot of people want to see it first, right? So you probably do see a lot of resistance with that with your clients too. 
I do. And the beauty of hypnotherapy is the first couple of sessions are really about relaxation and already learning how to relax in this high pace, immediate gratification, social media, like go, go, go environment. Already they start to feel better. They feel less panicked. They feel less grounded. They can take a deep breath and go, oh, okay, I'm okay. That's how they feel after a hypnotherapy session. So if, even if we take the first three sessions just to teach them that they're okay to relax, we've already made an improvement. They already get a return on the investment. Oh yeah, also, that's valuable. Yeah, right. And at the same time, because we are tapping into the subconscious mind where most of our belief systems live, the wiring of our subconscious really dictates the capacity in which we can expand in our conscious life because I'm giving them better mantras, more expansive ideas to believe in, they also have their subconscious expanding at the same time. So even if they don't even understand that part and all they understand is, okay, I feel relaxed, I feel calm, I feel happy, they're happy. And then in terms of a coach, for me, I know that I'm working with their subconscious. Sometimes they'll say, oh, wow, I had no idea that that was, was actually behind my money block or that's what was behind my relationship block or we have access to subconscious beliefs that we don't have access to consciously. So that's also an important part of the coaching experience is just bringing those subconscious like dark spots into the conscious. Yeah, I totally agree. And I love that you talked about the subconscious and conscious because it's really something I want to dig into. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that, I mean, we're kind of aware of um, on the surface, but when you really start to dig into it, you do realize that it's life changing and it's really, the subconscious is really dictating a lot about what's going on in your life and mm -hmm. these patterns that keep happening. So if you want to talk a little bit about like what is the subconscious mind versus the conscious mind um, and explain a little bit about that. Yeah. So think of it as kind of like different rooms of the brain. So we have the conscious mind, which is say like only 10% of your brain. Then we have the subconscious, which is where we have our programming. So from age birth to like seven or eight, your brain was very malleable and you were watching the world and the people that you looked up to, your teachers, your parents, they were kind of setting boundaries and rules about life that you interpreted as a little baby. So like say your parents said money doesn't grow on trees and you're four years old. As a four-year-old, you, you interpret that as law. It's implanted in your subconscious mind. And then your brain almost kind of hardened like a sponge that dried out and hardened. And now money doesn't grow on trees dictates your consciousness now as an adult. So, um, and then there's the unconscious mind, which is kind of like programming that is just passed on from generation to generation, programming that lives in society, programming that's kind of assumed just from birth that we just absorb because it's just what has always been. So I have a lot of clients who believe that, like they're so adamant that, no, I have subconscious blocks. I need to fix the subconscious blocks. I know what the blocks are. It's this, this, and this. And a lot of my process is bringing them back to that space of empowerment and saying, okay, if you can name what this subconscious block is, it's not subconscious anymore. It's conscious. So that means that we need to go back to basics. I want you to change how you're speaking about this. I want you to actively change how you are thinking about this. And that's how we begin. The subconscious stuff, it really is a blind spot for us. We don't know it's there. And so through hypnosis, we get to like bubble them up and out. And then once we make a realization, once we can put a word to it, it doesn't mean that it's immediately cured, but it does mean that we bring it into the conscious and now we have a space for, 
for empowered choices to move forward in a productive way. Hmm. That is an interesting way to look at it, at it because for me too, I'm, I'm one of those people who's like, oh, I have those subconscious limiting beliefs that I need to take care of. And it's like the same thing. I know what they are. It's this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's interesting that you said that since I know what they are, they're not subconscious anymore. It's so. just so disempowering for you to you have this faceless demon that's holding you back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So say that you move consciously on those beliefs and maybe you only understand 30% of how to move conscious. Like, okay, I'm going to change how I think about this. I'm going to change how I speak about this. I'm going to change how I tell other people about this. Even if you just ship those, you're going to get a 30% return on investment, right? Everything is energy. You send 30% of your energy in a productive direction, you'll get that return on investment. And that's so much better than doing nothing at all and just blaming it on subconscious blocks. Right. And so would hypnosis be the only way to shift the subconscious mind or would there be other ways to do that? So I truly believe that these blocks, they bubble up and out when we're ready to tackle them, right? So I had a hypnosis session with my hypnotherapist like six months ago and a belief bubbled up that I had never, ever even noticed was in there. And I don't think that I would have been capable of tackling it even a year before. So I truly believe that whether through hypnosis, through meditation, through just space and journaling and giving ourselves time to be with ourselves, I believe that they will bubble up and out if you want them to. Hypnosis is kind of like you're raising your hand and you're like, okay, I'm ready for this now. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, I guess it's really yeah, about the timing and being able to confront that demon when you're ready for it. Yeah. Makes sense. So how did you change your own story? I mean, you obviously had um, limiting beliefs, especially around food and everything. Um, so how did you go about starting with changing your own beliefs? Yeah, I think the biggest, the biggest shift, and it's the same shift that we're all seeking, is letting go of these outside metrics that determined my success and really bring it back to integrity for me. Integrity is such an important word for me because it's the only metric that I weigh myself against. And integrity to me is mind, body, spirit together in one decision. So if I, at the end of the day, can go, okay, did I show up with integrity in my thoughts, in my actions, in my dealing with clients, in my dealing with my loved ones, in dealing with the dog, in how I ate, how I exercised, if I can say yes to those, I feel like I can be a happy and whole person. And I believe that that's really what we're seeking because when it's outside metrics, like the number in your bank account, your number of Instagram followers, the number of yeses you got on your sales calls today, uh, the number on the scale, all of your power is given away to everybody else. Obviously, this is not just a destination that we arrive to. It's a constant, constant practice. I, of course, still, I mean, I teach money stuff. I still have panics about months where I'll make a really big investment or I'll hire somebody new or instead of allowing that to be, oh, you're a failure. Oh, you're a fraud. Oh, you're disingenuous. It's a tap on my shoulder to say, okay, it's time to realign. It's time to get back to that integrity. And same with the food and the the body stuff. I don't think that my anxiety about my body and food is ever just going to go completely away. Now I know when it creeps in, it's usually, again, my tap on my shoulder to say, hey, T, time to reconnect, time to get back to that mind-body-spirit alignment and take care of you because if your food anxiety is creeping back in, it means that you're misaligned. Yeah, I totally can relate to that too. Like I've done, I have so much progress and 
I can definitely tell when I'm unaligned and mm-hmm. something's up, especially emotionally. Um, if I turn to food, it's easier to stop myself now though. And it's something you constantly have to work at, right? It's not just like, oh, one day it's all figured out. Like you have to work on it, but then it gets easier over time, I think. But yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. I think to me, the three steps to positive change are willingness, awareness, and empowered choice. And many times a willing willingness is the hardest part because it's like you have this boulder moving really quickly in one direction and willingness is getting in front of the boulder, not only stopping it, but being willing to push it in another direction. It's like, have you ever been so pissed off or so mad at a situation or person and you know, okay, I could just change my mind about this and not be mad anymore. And it physically hurts to do so. It like yep, totally physically can, hurts yeah. <laughs> to change the boulder, to move the boulder in the other direction. So sometimes willingness is the hardest part. And by learning about nutrition, learning about our bodies, meditating, taking space, talking about this a lot, we've already achieved the willingness. The next piece is awareness. Now we have awareness around whether we veer off course, whether we are moving with integrity and we just need to constantly be honest. And then we get to choose what we want to do with that. So if someday you're like, fuck it, I want to eat a whole cake. And that's like an old pattern for you. Instead of being a victim to it, and it's almost like your eyes are closed and you're just going through the motions. Like that's what would happen to me when I was binging before. I would completely check out because that's the only way the self-sabotage can happen is if we literally like turn our head the other way and just go in self-destruction mode. And then I'd like wake up and be like, oh my God, what did I do? Whereas now I have the space to be aware about it. So if I'm going to eat the cake, I'm either going to choose yes or no, and it doesn't matter what I choose. But the, fa- the point is, is that I get to be the chooser. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And it also really changes like the way you're doing it, right? Like you said, mm-hmm. closing your eyes and just going for it, either that or saying yes or no. And if you say yes, well, enjoying it and actually mm-hmm. sitting down, enjoying it with someone else. Um, instead of just inhaling it, right? And then feeling totally. guilty after. So yeah, I totally love that. Willingness, awareness, and empowered choice. Awesome. So there are obviously lots of different limiting beliefs and um, like blocks, but I think the main two would probably be money and relationships. Would you agree? I would. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about money then. So how you kind of said about your childhood, so it really dictates your subconscious beliefs and what you really think when you grow up. So how does, so you kind of explain that. So why do some people view money as like dirty or hard to get or it's not easy? So you kind of explained a little bit, but do you want to go a little bit more in depth? Like why do we have all these perceptions about money and why some people work really hard and just don't make a lot of money and some people work less and make a lot more and things like that? Yes. Okay. So I want to explain this in two different ways. So the first is, like we said, from birth to age seven, eight, your brain is very malleable. So you've kind of collected all of these laws. You've allowed them to solidify in your psyche. And now you're still dictated by those laws. And again, you've borrowed these from other humans who are just trying to figure their shit out. Like your parents didn't have all the answers. Your teachers didn't have all the answers. The Joe Schmo on the bus who implanted some sort of law in your psyche didn't have all the answers. But you've decided that they are the rulers of your kingdom and that they know everything. They set the laws. So of course it's going to be uncomfortable when we're an adult and we're like beholden. We're like held in jail by these laws, these rules that aren't even ours. Of course it's going to feel uncomfortable. 
a lot of them are just pain points that somebody else was experiencing. They're talking about it, moving through it, and we just decide that it's ours. I want to go even further. Instead of talking about specific limiting beliefs, yes, it's very known that um, a lot of people think money is dirty. Only bad people are rich. Um, you must work your ass off to get money. Those are super common. But because they're not yours, I don't even want to give them power to you because that's somebody else just gave them to you. They're not even yours. So we don't even need to talk about it. I want to say that usually every block is a worthiness block. So the money stuff, where will the money come from? Am I charging enough? Am I charging too much? Is my product or service actually worth it? How can I do the sales call? Sales feel icky. And then relationships. Will I ever find my person? Okay, if I find my person, am I good enough for them? Are they good enough for me? Will we make it? All of those at the root of it, really the question is, am I worthy of this? Really, that's what the block is. Yep, totally agree. Um, and I definitely see that in all areas too. Um, when you don't feel worthy, yeah, you, you have problems with money, with relationships, with your health. Um, can definitely see that being a huge factor. So how would somebody who has always been broke and has always seen money as a struggle and people struggling around them, how would they attract more money into their life? So um, I will give you guys a freebie link to the morning manifestation kit. You've done it before. I'll give it to all your people so they can go through this Amazing. process themselves. But the first step would be, what can you work within the conscious? You need to be super willing to change how you think and speak about this, right? Have to now find awareness around how you think and speak about money. And then you have to do the third piece, make an empowered choice. Okay, I'm not going to say anything about lack. I'm not going to think anything about lack. I am just going to, whatever it takes, speak in the positive about money, speak in the positive about my receptivity, speak in the positive about the wealth that's on the way. That's the first step. That is the basic step that everyone wants to skip where that holds such immense power. The second piece is everything is energy and we attract what we are. We don't attract what we want. We attract what we are. And energetically, we know what we are sending out in the universe based on the emotions that we're feeling. So the emotions that feel really good, like love, joy, intimacy, trust, faith, movement, momentum, purpose, those feel so good because those are the truth of who we are. That is the real state of our human being. Whereas the feelings that don't feel so good, like shame, fear, guilt, comparisonitis, uh, victimhood, those feel so shitty because we have deviated out of alignment. We've deviated away from the truth of who we are. So it's not that we feel the pain because of a situation. We feel the pain because we've forgotten who we are. So I made up this really cheesy um, visual for people called Abundance Land in Lack Village. And of course, the human emotions are so nuanced. And of course, we came here as humans to feel, taste, touch, smell, really have a sensual experience. Of course, we're going to experience bad emotions, but how many bad emotions, painful emotions are we experiencing just out of habit, just because of old beliefs, just because we've been taught to feel them instead of only mourning when it's really time to mourn, right? There's a complete difference between having anxiety on a Sunday night because the next day is Monday. That's very habitual versus mourning the death of a parent, right? Right? Most people are in mourning and anxiety mode all of the time. 
what if we found integrity with our emotions so we could knock out all of the habitual bullshit and then in the moments of real mourning, trauma, negative emotion, we can just welcome them in fully, really process it in the presence and then get our ass back to the good feeling emotion. So how I explain this is abundance land is when we are sending out high vibration. And when you arrive to abundance land, you have access to everything that's there. So you have access to the money, the partner, the next job opportunity, the thriving business, the beautiful home, whatever you want, it lives in abundance land. And your ticket to abundance land is a high vibration emotion. So it's joy, it's fun, it's excitement. And the beauty of this human body is our emotions can be ignited just through visualization. So we can just close our eyes and we can see that we're on a beach. We can imagine our wedding. We can imagine hanging out with our best friend, laughing. We can watch a YouTube video that makes us laugh. We can dance around the house. We don't literally need to go to the beach or uh, be on a yacht or win the lottery to feel those feelings. So your ticket to abundance land is generating a high vibration emotion. And then once you're there, regardless of what the high vibration emotion is, you have access to everything. So we want to be in abundance land as much as possible because those are the vibes we send out in the world and therefore what we get back is of abundance. Inversely, Lack Village is way down the road. You cannot be in abundance land and Lack Village at the same time. Lack Village, you have to intentionally walk your ass from one village over to Lack Village and once you arrive there, I imagine it's like dark and kind of dusty and gloomy. Everybody's limping around and coughing and uh, the only emotions you have access to are guilt, shame, victimhood, disease, sadness. And your ticket to there is one of those low vibration emotions. But again, once you arrive, you only have access to more of that. So just to play uh, an example out here, if you arrive through a shameful moment and you arrive in Lack Village, do you have access to the money, the partner, the opportunity or anything if you're standing in Lack Village? Black Village. No. (laughs) Yes, right. So if I want to get back to all of the shit that I want to manifest, that I want to call into my life, I need to find a way to get myself back over to the village before I do anything else. So we've been taught that when we feel uncomfortable, we need to fix the thing that made us feel uncomfortable. Where as I teach, no, you need to fix yourself. then the creative solution can appear because you'll be in abundance land and that's where all of the creative solutions live. Does that make sense? I don't even remember what the original question was. No, I love it. I love it. I love, I, I don't think it was a tangent, but if it was, I love it. Done. Okay. <laughs> and I, I love the abundance land and lack village. I think that's a really a cool way to kind of visualize it too. And then really to just, it's an easier way to think about when you are thinking shitty thoughts yeah, and putting it into perspective like, oh, I'm in Lag Village right now. Let's go over to Abundance Land. And it's kind of fun too, right? It's like a game. Yes. Um, so but- it's supposed to be silly because this is fun. Like this human experience thing is fun. We are taking it way too seriously. The spirituality thing, the manifestation, the wealth building, the business, like this stuff is so fun if we let it be. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think for so long, me and most people just see life as hard and it's just not fun and you have to suffer and like Monday has to suck and Mm -hmm. it totally doesn't have to. And I realized that not too long ago and I was like, yeah, why does it have to suck? It doesn't. Right. And Mm -hmm. for me to, um, just going into the, um, kind of manifestation thing and changing your vibration. I know a lot of my, a lot of people, including myself before, um, 
when you think of manifestation or doing this kind of mindset work, a lot of people think that it's just like thinking a thought like, oh, I want to go live in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. And then they just let it go. And they wonder like, why is it not working for me? Um, Like I thought about the thought um, like once a day and then it's just not working. And for me too, I found this, like I really feel when I'm in that vibration mode, like the high vibration and I have manifested, manifested things and I know exactly what this feeling is versus if I'm in that lack village and I'm mm-hmm. trying to manifest something, I abandon it right away because I know that it's not going to happen or it's going to turn out negatively because I know I'm in lack village, right? If that makes right. sense. Right. So it's really about feeling it, right? Yes. And the beauty of it is, is really what we're seeking is the good feeling feelings. Like everything that you quote, want to manifest. I always use the example of winning the lottery. We all want to win the lottery, not because we want a pile of green paper in our house. We want to win the lottery because we believe it'll invite us to feel freedom, spaciousness, joy, excitement, happiness, right? Whereas we can experience freedom, spaciousness, joy, excitement, happiness right now, like right in our homes, in our cubicle, in the car right now. So when we skip to that and make that the priority, life just feels really magical. Even if you don't believe in manifestation, don't believe in energy, there's no denying that when you decide to have a happier day, life feels better. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it does change the course of your day too. When you wake up feeling happy and you have the mindset of, oh, it's going to be a great day versus, oh, I have to go to this job today that I hate. Mm-hmm. It's going to suck. Um, so would you think that for people who have a hard time believing in it and changing their vibration, would it be helpful to maybe like do something fun or get out of the environment that's toxic to physically change so that the the emotional vibration will change too, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think the first piece is we have to really understand that we have full capacity within ourselves to change our vibration. That's super important to know that you can close your eyes, take a deep breath, decide to feel something better. Then the next step is, okay, now I know that I can do it myself. Now, how can I shortcut this by just using outside things? But the danger of relying on outside things first is then we're a victim again to outside metrics, outside circumstances, dictating our emotions. So first I make my clients understand that they know that they can close their eyes, find it in their visualization, find the emotional momentum just by thinking of things they're grateful for, thinking of past times that awesome manifestations come through, um, journaling, just really tapping in themselves. Once they're like, okay, I understand I can do this. Then we generate a list of like 50 free ways that they can get back to abundance land if they're in a place of stink. I think even before you change your environment, you cut out friends, like before you do anything dramatic in the rest of your ecosystem, you have to know to your core that you can completely do this yourself by yourself in any moment. And then yeah, the next organic piece is the more you spend time in abundance land, the more the discrepancy is going to feel really uncomfortable and it's going to be glaringly obvious. If you have friends who are always in lack village, if you have a work environment that is completely lack village, like those things will become really obvious and they'll no longer be a vibrational match to you and you'll have clarity as to how you want to move forward. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. It's basically 
practicing, um, it's like using your muscle, right? You want to practice right. doing that and it's going to be uncomfortable and weird at the beginning, but then it starts to become a habit. Even like for me, I do regular med meditation now and it used to be very awkward and now I look forward to it mm -hmm. and yeah, just visualizing, I think really changes your state too. So I love that. It's really about a work in progress and, and then working on the ecosystem after. And you did mention about the family and friends around you. And I know this is a big one that a lot of people ask about, um, especially when they are up-leveling up in their business and or whatever, their personal life, um, in life in general. Um, how would you kind of navigate, especially a family that isn't on the same vibrational level? Or for instance, if you're really working on this kind of stuff and your family doesn't get it, they, they make fun of it or they're just not open to it. How do you kind of navigate that? So, I mean, the first piece is we can never create a transformation in somebody else. That's true for your family, for your partner, for your clients even. You cannot change somebody else's mind, but you can stand so steadfastly, if that's even a word, in your vibration that eventually people will just have to mirror that back to you. What's, what's either going to happen is they'll rise to the occasion and mirror that back to you, or the discrepancy will become so big that they're, they're going to feel uncomfortable giving you negativity when you are on such a high vibration that they'll just stop. I use the example of like, has anybody ever come to you to gossip and you like put the kibosh on it right away? And they got the message super quick, like, okay, she's not the one to go to gossip to, and they never come to gossip to you again. Right. So it's really standing in what you believe in and, and not swaying around with the different negative feedback, I guess. Yeah. And not trying to convince anybody. This is a personal journey for you. You're not trying to change anybody. You can potentially positively influence them by them coming to you and saying, hey, you, you are so wonderful to hang out with. I, how are you so positive? Like, what are you doing? Then you can start the conversation, but it's not your job to go around trying to fix everybody because immediately what's going to happen is they'll go on the defensive and now they've gone way far into Lack Village and the only way for you to get them is to chase them over there and now you both feel like shit. <laughs> so the other piece would be anytime that some area of our ecosystem, some part of our life feels subpar, it's two things that need to happen. One, we need to create better boundaries. And sometimes those are relationship boundaries. Sometimes those are our own personal energetic boundaries. Like, okay, I know that my mom really triggers me. So before I go, I'm going to make sure that I exercise, I eat a nourishing meal, I meditate, I like sage myself, whatever you need to do to feel really strong and prepared. And then you go. And then maybe your relationship boundary would be, I'm just going to tell my mom I'm available for 90 minutes and that's it. And then I'm going to stick to the time and I'm going to leave. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then the other piece is usually intimacy. Um, I really, really believe that even your worst enemy, like I even use the example of ISIS. My, my boyfriend is like, you're freaking insane. But I believe <laughs> that a member of ISIS, if they were to sit in a room with me and we were to like hold hands and look in one another's eyes, there's no way there could be hate in our hearts at all. When we truly, truly, truly connect, because that is our true state, the, the, the hate, the fear, it can dissipate. So if you're having a hard time with person a person, I invite you to be even more intimate with them. 
Like don't play on your cell phone, really listen to what they're saying instead of thinking about what you're going to respond. Really say, oh yeah, tell me more. Like really, really find intimacy with them. And it's like you're inviting them into abundance land. So they're going to start to feel like a weight's lifted off their shoulder. They're going to feel more calm. They're going to feel more happy in their presence. And then you're going to benefit because now you're both in abundance land. So you both feel great in spending time together. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. And it's true. I mean, we all do have our walls up obviously and our issues, mm-hmm. but we all are the same at our core. Like we mm-hmm. all want love. We want to feel loved. We want to give love. Um, and if somebody is in like painful situation, are they acting out? Are they being aggressive? It doesn't, it means that they, they're lacking that, right? They're not happy. Um, it's not somebody who is happy or who feels loved, who's going to act out like that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody wants to be in abundance land, but, um, yeah, I mean, I I really liked also the thing that you're talking about. Um, we can't fix other people. I think a lot of us, I think we all have been guilty of trying to fix somebody. Um, but like you said, we're not already at the same time. We have our, our course in life. So, it might not be now that they're ready to change or whatever, or it might never happen. Who knows? But yeah, we, I mean, you can't force something. It's just going to backfire on you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This past year, my boyfriend started law school and he's a bit older. So we moved to California. We had one week before he started school. He was thrown into the super wealthy school with really young, attractive people. And he's like, Holy shit. What did I get myself into? And I very clearly knew like from the beginning, Tori, do not coach him through this year. Like if you have to let him drown, let him drown. Because after the fifth time of me saying like, Hey, maybe you should meditate in the morning before you go to school because you know that school makes you feel so shitty. And then you're going to have a shitty day. Then you're going to come home and you'll be shitty in our house. Like, why don't we be proactive? Like after the first couple times I've said that and it backfired, I was like, Nope, let him drown. So this past year, all I could do was just provide the most loving sacred space in our home. And then that was it. That's all I could do. I let him drown. I let him get exhausted. I let him gain weight. I let him do everything. And then at the end of the year, he was like, okay, you're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he had to feel it in his cells. Yeah. Yes, exactly. He had to feel it in his own cells, just like you and I had to feel it in our own cells with the nutrition bullshit. We had to get to the depths, have our own little wake up call and go, Oh, okay. Time to do this. Yeah. Even with relationships and nutrition specifically, um, I was drowning and Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I just was like completely in a bad place until the moment came where I woke up and I was like, okay. And I mean, some people, other people tried to save me, but it wasn't happening. Right. Because I wasn't ready for Mm -hmm. it. And then I decided to take charge. So yeah, I think we all have those moments where we're drowning, but then we, learn how to swim after and it can be really hard to watch somebody you love drowning and not interfere Mm so I yeah I totally totally understand that Mm -hmm. and so we talked a little bit about money specifically but how do relationships money and health um all connect especially if you're like in a lack of one of them or all of them how do they connect to each other and influence each other Yeah. So like I said, when I started my nutrition practice, I was super heavy on the nutrition. It was all about the food. It was all about the meal plans. I had people texting me the food that they eat each day and I'd be like, good job or bad job. (laughs) And I realized once they left me, they were freaking floundering again because they didn't have me to be their boss. They 
didn't get to build any self-esteem, any empowerment, any personal discernment. So I was like, okay, we got to, we got to change this. So then I led with self-esteem and the food just kind of, the food process gave them a little bit more leeway to make their own choices. And we worked on self-esteem. Then I realized most people don't even know why they have lacking self-esteem because we are such an ecosystem. Everything is connected that they couldn't figure out why they felt so insecure about their body when nothing specific really happened with their body. But upon further investigation, we could figure out, oh, it's because I have a super toxic relationship with my dad. Oh, it's because my boss is such a shithead. He's so mean to me. Oh, it's because when I was 13, this horrible thing happened. So I started mapping out what I call the ecosystems. We've been talking about this the whole time. And it's you're in the middle and then you just create legs out the middle and you write down every area of your life that affects your health and happiness. So your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health, your relationships, your money. And then you'll see it's like a web and everything is connected. And I kind of liken it to like if you're, you're making a soup. If the general like taste of the soup is delicious, it's not going to matter if you put a little bit of maple syrup or a little bit of lemon in the soup, right? If the health of the stew, of the used stew is healthy, you're not going to notice when there's little hairy random bumps and stuff that come into the stew. But if you have a ton of cayenne pepper and then you have a ton of lime juice and then you have a ton of all of these things that aren't healthy and don't belong in the stew, it's just going to taste like shit because they're all interconnected. So with relationships, with money, with self-esteem, with your career, with your purpose, with your passions, they're all super interconnected. And if the health of the ecosystem is doing well, if it's feeling robust, when you have these little hiccups, these little moments of like you go through a breakup or you get fired or you change your jobs, the health of the ecosystem will sustain you and keep you afloat. Inversely, if the health of the ecosystem isn't strong, those little things are going to take down the whole ecosystem. That's how if you have a poor money mindset, it's going to affect your body. It's going to affect your, your romantic relationships. It's going to affect your um, confidence at work because they're all interconnected. Does that make sense? Totally. Yep. Love it. Love the ecosystem. I think it's so important. And we usually just focus on one thing, especially if you go to like a nutritionist, you have like an eating disorder or you're not losing weight, you just focus on the food. But then you realize that like you and I have realized with ourselves and with clients, it's not just about the food, right? It's about everything. And then you start realizing, oh yeah, actually my job makes me come home and I, I just eat the whole fridge and you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, that's probably a trigger. Um, But yeah, I love that you really emphasize the ecosystem because I think that's super important. And then I was wondering just one question that I do get from some people and somebody asked about it um, for this podcast is um, what about age when you feel like it's too late, you can't do whatever you wanted to do. um, Like you've always been broke. You've always been sick or whatever. Um, like how do you change your life now? Like it's when people think that's too late because of their age. I don't know if you Mm -hmm. get that question a lot or like that issue coming. I do. I do. I have a lot of women who will be nervous because they want to start a business and they're 50 or they're 35 and they still haven't met their partner and they still want to have kids. Yeah. Age is a a point of anxiety for uh, many people. And I think many women too, because so much of the things that we are told to desire are like meant for us under the age of 35, right? Like building the family, all of that stuff. 
Um, I will say again, that's somebody else's bullshit that you're taking on. That is society. It's your parents. It's your teachers. Whoever told you that age determines is a metric of your success. It's bullshit. So if you don't want to feel crappy about it, then you have to stop affirming that it's true. It's the first step is if you want anything to change, you have to change what your vibration vibrationally emitting from your body. And even if you want to fight for your limiting belief and say, yeah, but no, I am, but I am getting old. The only way you can change it and feel something new is to think and act in new ways. So the first step is you do have to actually do some work, change how you think about it, change how you speak about it. And then also the second piece is just understanding that all of this is really neutral. I mean, even time is up for influence, right? Like, you know that time moves slower with moving objects. Isn't that freaking insane? Mm-hmm. Like, even time is not definitive. There's nothing definitive. This is all just the meaning that we've given to it. So it doesn't serve you to tell yourself the story that age has fucked you over because all you're going to get is that age has fucked you over. If you want a different ending to the story, you have to tell yourself a story that benefits you. You have to get yourself to abundance land. You have to be so committed and seeing a new result and expecting a new result. That's the only way it can come through. Yeah. And you do see people like 50, 60, 70, 80 doing crazy things and changing their life. And and you even see people, you're like, how are they doing that? But it's, it all starts with the mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you can be 45 and be hobbling around like you're 90 years old, right? I love my mother to death, but she's only 60 and she acts like she's 80 years old. Whereas my grandfather, who just passed this year, was 95 years old and thought he was 45. Wow. Like the man was like walking miles per day, <laughs> like feeding all the animals in the yard, doing yard work it's all in your mind. Yeah. I totally know people like that too. So that's mm-hmm. a great example. So, um, just to end things off, if you would be up to like a little mini coaching session with me, just to kind of yeah. show like what it would be like, um, mm-hmm. to coach somebody through like limiting beliefs. Um, I don't know how you go about it, but I think for me, the main thing that I've been working on and I'm very resistant to is money. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you would want to just do like a five minute quick coaching. Yeah, sure. Money. Okay. So, I mean, there's so many different ways that we can tackle this because of course you're an ecosystem, but let's start yeah. with what is a really prevalent thought that you're entertaining? Um, probably money is hard to make and I'm not worth asking for money. Mm. Okay. So When you investigate that, I would invite you to write it down and really look at it. And every statement has two sides of the spectrum, right? So that's the very lack village side of the spectrum. What would be the the inverse abundance land thinking about money? Money comes to me easily and freely and I am worth asking for money. Beautiful. Okay. So those are the two stories that are available to you in that statement, right? And then somewhere in the middle is an absolute truth. And so we just talked about how all energy is neutral, right? So what would be the truth about money? Well, money is energy. Money is energy. And does money have preferences? Does money pick and choose? What is money? No, money is neutral. Yeah. So in the middle is money is neutral. So now you've rewritten, you've been choosing, we have three choices in the statement. You've been choosing the lack village one. Now you have two. If you can't go all the way over to the abundance land statement of money flows easily to me, 
you can probably at least hop to money is neutral and practice that for a while, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you're ready, you'll take the next hop over to the abundance land. But usually in coaching, if there is a limiting belief that really invites anxiety into the body, I actually don't always investigate it. Sometimes I tell you, I do not want you to think about money. And if money hops up into your psyche, I want you to be like, no, fuck you. You cut it out and you go do something really fun. Because remember, how, what, how do you get to abundance land? What's your ticket? Happiness. Right. So it's like, say you wake up, you feel that tightness in your chest, you're like, <gasps> money. Instead of sitting there writing in your journal, like trying to dig it apart, it's like trying to detangle like a little delicate gold necklace. You're just going to be sending more and more focus and energy to the problem, to the tangledness, right? Mm -hmm. Where instead, you could just skip all of the detangling, all of the hitting neutral, all of the working your way up to rewriting the limiting belief and go, nope, not even going to entertain this thought right now. I'm going to go do something that makes me feel really joyous. Like I'll go for a run. I'll go to yoga class. I'll stretch. I'll do my morning meditation. I'll do my morning manifestation worksheet. And then once you're in abundance land, you'll have so much more access to a creative solution, whether that's creating a new mantra, whether that's not thinking about money today, whether that's creating a new budget for yourself, whether that's, oh, I should reach out to Jenny and Becky because they both said they might want to join my program. Let me reach out and see if they want to join today. Like you have so much more access to creative solutions and intuitive pings and the next great idea that's going to bring you more money. Yeah, and I've definitely noticed that when, for instance, I'm stressing out about something, especially money, <laughs> um, and then I just go out and have fun and mm -hmm. celebrate something, I've noticed that when I was out, unexpected things came to me, or like messages, or people, or sales, and I was like, oh my goodness, I should do this more, you know, like it's, it's, it, it works, so. It works, and we, it's you in that act are rewiring the idea that you need to work hard for money, right? Because after that happens three, seven, 27 times, you'll be able to remember, oh yeah, deep breath, exhaling is bullshit. I'm going to go to the beach and I know that this is the most productive thing for me to do in my business. Right. Yeah. And so would something like, instead of visualizing the money that you want, visualizing what you would want to do with the money, for instance, travel or buy that house or a car or whatever it is, would that be more helpful? Yes. So that's such a great point. So our visualizations, the goals that we set, think of them as kind of like the bumpers when you bowl. Those are the bumpers that keep bumping our bowling ball back into alignment, right? Mm -hmm. And when we focus too much on the goal, we're like, you don't show up to bowling to just stare at the bumper, right? You want to focus on the ball, the rolling emotional momentum. So our goals are there to just keep bumping our bowling ball back into alignment, continuing to build that emotional momentum. So the bowling ball can go right all the way down towards the desire that we want. And the goals just help us continue to build more momentum to get back into alignment. Does that make sense? But you're right. Like money itself, it's neutral. Just a pile of money. That's not exciting. You don't want a shelf of green paper. I, I mean, a pile of green paper on your shelf. <laughs> yeah. Instead, you want to build that emotional momentum. You want to get your ticket to abundance land. So tapping into the car you want to buy or the home you want to buy or the beach trip you want to go on, that invites that emotional momentum so much more clearly and with so much more momentum. Right. And then it also helps change your vib vibration, right? Yes. Because that gets you excited. 
um, instead of just focusing on the money, which can be a little bit negative because you're right. like, go into the lack right away. Or if it's like a big number, it can yeah. be really stressful and unrealistic. So yeah, I definitely think that that's something I try to do as well. Um, but I think the biggest one is for sure, like we were talking about, um, like I'm continu continuously using affirmations and mantras and trying to change my mindset. Mm -hmm. And even if I have a positive negative thought come up, I'll change it with a positive. But I have noticed that I will say something with my friends or whatever about lack of money. Mm -hmm. And then directly I'll be like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. That's like a lacking thing, but I always do it. So it's changing that habit too, right? Yeah. It's just practice. It's now it's on your radar. So the more it happens, the more you have a chance to in that moment of forgetting to remember again. And then eventually it will just be at the tip of your tongue. Like it's like, you'll have the awareness before it even comes out of your mouth and you get to make a different empowered choice and then speak what you actually want to speak. Right. Yeah. It's practice. And, uh, and it takes some time, but it's definitely something that I think a lot of people struggle with. And it's either that you're not aware of it, um, but then when you are aware of it, a lot of people know that they shouldn't be eating the whole bag of cookies or doing whatever negative um, pattern they're doing. But it's really, like you said, it's the willingness to be able to take that first step. That's always the hardest, mm -hmm. but it becomes a snowball effect, right? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. That was mind blowing. And I'm sure our listeners will love it. Um, this is a lot of stuff that obviously everybody deals with. So I think it's very relevant to all of us. Um, just to end off, if you want to talk a little bit about what you, you're doing right now, um, if you have any offers or programs or anything, I know you mentioned that um, the YouTube video that you had that you were mm -hmm. going to offer as well. So if you want to talk about all of that. Yes. So I am so happy to give you all a morning manifestation kit. It's building that emotional momentum like we talked about. And um, I will include a freebie link for that. So just sign up. It comes with a meditation. It comes with a money masterclass. And it comes with the actual worksheet that you'll be doing. It explains it all. This worksheet has generated literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. It is so silly and simple, but it's just that reframing. It's just getting you back to abundance land so the miracles can happen. And then also, um, I'm super into my excellent example academy that I'm running now. It's 10 modules about emotional agility, about having integrity with your energy. And then each training module comes with hypnosis so we can rewire the subconscious blocks. And I just added this humongous branding course as a bonus. It's a $500 course that is plopped in there for free. There's a wealth building bonus. There's a wealth building hypnosis in there for free. We have so many guest teachers coming in. Like it's just my favorite space to just create awesome shit and like spoil my academy students. Um, so I totally invite you if you are ready to step into new levels of leadership, wealth and impact, I invite you to come join the academy. It's just a low monthly fee for 12 months. I wanted it to be really accessible to everybody. And then if you want one-on-one -on -one time, you can do VIP upgrades. Um, and then, yeah, otherwise always over on Instagram and of course the podcast, I'm yapping over there. Two episodes come out a week. So come and join us at the excellent example of being human podcast. Amazing. Yeah, I love your stuff. Definitely encourage you guys to check it out. I will have all the links in the show notes and I encourage you to check out her podcast as well. It's awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Thank so you. stoked to share this with everybody and um, yeah, I can't wait to chat again. My greatest pleasure. Thank you.
So was that awesome or what? Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you loved it. Just on another note, if you are struggling with your PCOS, if you're sick of the quick fixes that don't work, of not seeing results, I do have two more spots open for my one-on-one intensive coaching program. It's 100% customized to you and your goals. We go at your pace, we focus on your concerns and what's really holding you back. We look at the obstacles in PCOS and what to really focus on in the long term to be able to thrive and heal. So I don't believe in any quick fixes, but I do believe that we have the ability to heal ourselves, to heal our bodies, and I want to help you start this journey and believe it too, because I have seen it in myself and others. We don't need to live with these symptoms that are debilitating and that hold us back from living our true potential. So if you are interested, definitely reach out to me. I have two bonus offers that come with these two spots, and then I'm closing the doors. So definitely reach out if you want to chat and see how I can best support your health. And I would be so excited to help guide you and keep you accountable and provide you with all the resources to really help you thrive with PCOS for the long term. It's not just about now, it's about the future as well. So definitely don't hesitate to reach out. I only have two more spots left. And thank you again so much for listening to today's episode, for your support. I hope you really did love the episode. And if you did, I always appreciate a review on iTunes. Otherwise, I'll catch you on the next episode. 